So Subnautica, I got I got a mech underwater mech suit. Streaming. Streaming. I should do a countdown or something. Welcome everyone to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I as always am your co-host Brian, and joining me as always is your co-host Jim. Ladies and gentlemen, PGL certified. Something I don't know. Potato potato gap layer? What is it? What does PGL mean? Oh, it's pro- professional gaming league. Oh. That's what I should put on my resume. I'll just be like, you know, CCNA, MCIE, uh, PGA. You're a pro. PGA. You're a pro gamer, bro. Who's who's your sponsor? Mountain Dew or Doritos? Um, porn. I thought PGA was golf, Sponsored dude. Porn. I don't or PGA. Know. No, I meant PGL, but PGA as well. I have a. You mean MLG, a, like the Major League Gaming? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. PGL, MLG, and our sure. co-host Hunter. <laughs> CIA. Uh, I- NS- I, I walked into the wrong podcast. I have no idea what happened. Tonight we're going to be so, talking so about, about Tiger Woods' fantastic career through the years. You know, they haven't made golfer. a good golf game since he backed over the, the mailbox. Yeah, you, know, you know, aren't there a couple of golf games coming out? There's Golf with Your Friends, and there's that golf game that the Burnout... Your Shower with Your Golf Simulator? Yes, shower, but there's also that with- um that golf game that the Burn Criterion did, the Burnout People. They did a golf game, right? It's apparently uh, awesome. It's like dangerous golf. Yeah, that's something. the one. That's the yeah. one I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's there's another one, uh, and it got renamed to Jack Nicholas's something something golf. Uh, it's on, and it's actually quite good. Uh, that's probably oh. the new hotness in golf games. I, I used to love golf games like Lynx. I played the crap out of Lynx back in the day. Oh. Yeah, Lynx was good stuff. What was that Microsoft one? It was it was oh, not Lynx. Oh, was I keep wanting to call golf it Golf Simulator, but it wasn't Golf Simulator because they called every yeah, simulator. It was, but it, it was good though because it, it had was, like yeah. ball action. I remember that. You enjoy some good ball action. I love I, I love me some good ball washing action. We do have a guest, yeah, my friends. Know, they kicked me off the golf course because I kept falling off the ball washer. <laughs> Putting the wrong ball. Stop it, Stop uh, folks. It. We have a guest. We're going to have two, but we have one right now joining us all the way from England, England, Newcastle, England, which is near near Scotland, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. near Scotland, north of the south of Scotland, here. or something. That's where they make that that yeah. game of south, space. South of the north, uh, joining us from England from Kit, Cat Hawk Studios. I almost said Kitty Hawk. Um, Cat Hawk Studios is Oliver Milne, designer of, oh God, uh, Alliance of the Sacred Sons. Yes. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome, Oliver. Uh, we, we're also going to talk to the CEO, uh, Steve Hawkins, as soon as he's able to join us. You guys, Stephen Hawking? We got a Hawkins. lot of, a lot of sons. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Like it's nine it's sons, fading yeah. sons. Right. Uh, but this game was formerly known as Imperia. And we've talked about it many times, my friends. It's basically one of the uh, Crusader Kings in Space type of games that we've had our eye on, like this one and Pocket Space Empire. And I think there's it's, another it's, one. I call it what Stellaris should have done. Yes. Yes. I'm not going to say it, but this tech demo uh, I, that you watch, you guys see me playing a video of the tech demo on the stream. I had more fun with this than Stellaris. I'm just gonna say. But can you play Mushroom People? Uh, I don't know if that's available yet. It looks like it's yeah, all mostly it's, humans. Um, it's mostly humans. Yeah. It's all humans? I'm, af- I'm afraid there aren't Mushroom People. Um, what, like one of the things we wanted to do with the game is that usually in these games they take a- like the existence of alien life so casually and it's just sort of like it's basically rubber head people even if they're mushroom shaped. Um, so what we wanted to <laughs> very, do Very like games, Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so one of the things we wanted to do was have aliens that are genuinely alien um, and that you you encounter them and they're weird and they're a bit frightening. And even when you try to make peace with them, you're going to be thinking, is this really the right thing to do? Nice. Uh, yeah, and the thing that we were talking about before the show is I would like to see like more alien humans. Right. So, I mean, it, the current aesthetic of the game is it's kind of got like a Victorian vibe to it. Um, yeah. and, and that's cool. I mean, it, it identifies immediately like, OK, this is like royal court stuff in space. Um, but I think it would be it would be interesting uh, looking at at the way that space games are, are done generally, where it's it's just a, uh, a homogenous culture of, you know, these are humans and humans are, 
you know, even though we're in completely different star systems, we've been separated by thousands of years, everybody still has this monoculture. Um, and, and I think it would be really cool if, uh, if it was almost like nations on earth, how we have almost alien cultures, right? Where it's like, you know, if you take, you take somebody from Canada, you drop them in Japan and, you know, they're going to have some trouble fitting in. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a really big thing that we're doing with the game, um, because the so the, the way it works is we have this sort of we have this um, we have this history that we're not we're not going to sort of shove the history down people's throats and be like here have some exposition, but it it informs the way we've set the sort of universe up. So in every game you play, you're going to have about uh, more like a dozen or more different cultures, human cultures, mostly, that are inhabiting your universe. Um, and in the center of the map where you start, uh, it's going to be, they're all going to be this kind of thousand years in the future, but it's a sort of neo, neo-medieval neo um, feudal society. Um, and they have their different kind of spins on it. Um, and some of them are sort of more technologically oriented, and some of them are sort of one, one of the slightly more, I hesitate to say tongue-in-cheek things we've done, but um, one, one of our cultures is sort of, it's like the aftermath of a renaissance, where the renaissance, you know, in the 16th century was about trying to bring back the culture of ancient Roman Greece. And this is a renaissance that's trying to bring back the culture of 20th century America. And it's filtered through the super, like, inaccurate... Um, and sort of twisted interpretations. Of oh God! This, please uh, let it be the seventies. I, I <laughs> space space people, and it, and it looks like old space shows like Space nineteen ninety nine and and UFO, all that good old Jerry Anderson fuck, stuff. Fuck Rogers! We've not gone yeah. quite that quite that far down that route. Bubble helmets. Um, yeah, but sorry, where was I? Um, You'll have to give, forgive me. It's uh, like half past one in the morning here. No worries. We appreciate um, you coming on at our usual time. Well, yeah, it's, it's quite all right. Um, I can get up what I want. <laughs> but uh, the the way it works is you've got this in the center. And so the, as you play, you're coming in, you're going to be sort of accustomed to this. And then as you go outwards, the cultures get a bit weirder um, until when you get right to the sort of the fringes of... The, uh, of sort of human space, you're going to have um, these kind of genetically modified people. You're going to have cultures where they've been sort of taken over by a, by a sort of a fungus that tries to organize its ecosystem around it, but doesn't do it very well. Like it's very good at organizing ecosystems, but it's not very good at organizing human societies. And so you have these sort of pieced out hippies who occasionally just turn cannibal. Um, and do or take wild sort of left turns into doing something else because the fungus has decided that it needs more janitors and suddenly all your scientists are janitors. Um, thankfully, so, you don't so have it's... to actually control this. This is, a, this is a thing that you sort of you deal with from the outside because otherwise it would be really frustrating. Um, but yeah, we, wanted to, we want to create a, a, sense, a real sense of place um, and get that feeling of sort of you've got nations and you have these different geographical areas with histories. Um, I think one of the the best ways we're going to do that isn't in the game yet, um, but uh, is going to be in the constellations. So the, the way it's going to work is your provinces are going to be based off the constellations, which are going to be on the map, and you're going to they're going to be sort of dead recognisable. Um, this is something that our previous artist Pavlos brought in uh, into the design, um, which is genius. And he was like, I have no idea why no one's done this before. Because in space games, obviously, it's very hard to get a sense that, you know, basically it's a bunch of spheres, right? You're looking at balls. Um, and you can only <laughs> stare at balls for, for so long before they all start to look like balls, right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm 12. I'm mentally 12. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have no idea what you're laughing about. But, um, Balls. Yeah. Space bollocks. I see your shorts is as big as mine. Wait wait till it's one o'clock in the morning our time. And then see how, and then yeah. See. 
Anyway, please continue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, we've with arranging the stars and constellations and you know putting the pretty pictures on the map. Um, but beyond that, these places are linked into the cultures again. So each one's going to have a dominant culture to it. Um, it's going to have you have little bits of history. There are going to be custom planets in there mixed in with the procedurally generated stuff. Um, and so the what we're hoping to achieve is that you'll be able to really get a feel for the way the the way that the world is laid out and have that kind of geographical sense you get in the game of civilization or even of um, of Europa Universalis or something like that. Oh, that sounds awesome. Now I I do and it's like the building blocks of what of that are already in the game because I really like how you have it kind of like you're not dealing with the direct like I want this planet to build this and I want this shipyard to build this. You're like, hey you, I like you. I want you to make me happier. I'm gonna give you a gift. I like that. This higher level stuff because I love feeling like an emperor. You know. Yeah, um, that's that's definitely what we're trying to capture. Um, so now beyond what, the beyond manipulating the other houses and that, are you actually playing as a person? So that yeah. like you you yeah. can actually like court a wife out of somebody else's house for political reasons, perhaps, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's going to be a big and serious decision because I mean, in, so in a game like Crusader Kings, and Crusader Kings is obviously one of our biggest influences, um, but you're running a dynasty. So you have, you know, you marry off one person, marry off another, you, you know, your king dies, you have a new king, it's fine, whatever. And that's, that's cool, that creates some good stories. Um, we want to make Imperia a lot more kind of, uh, Imperia, Alliance of the Sacred Sons. Uh, let's stop you right there uh, for a second. Why the name change? What happened? So it's for, um, basically it's because Imperia Online got to the name first 11 years oh. ago. We thought maybe uh, you got sued by Sky TV. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, no, nobody sued anybody else. Um, but we wrote to them saying, look, we don't think we're really going to be stepping on your market share, but we want to make sure that you're fine with it and stuff. Um, and they came back to us and said, well, you kind of would be because we're going to be cannibalizing one another's Google hits, to which we said, that's a very good point. Um, oh, my God, this game, so we, I didn't even know this existed. Imperia Online. It's a folks. If you haven't heard of it, it's like a medieval. What is it, a city building game? What, what something? It's, yeah, I think it's like like um, an anno. It's a, a free to play strategy game of some kind. I've not yeah. actually played it, um, but clearly they've been going for a long time, um, quite successfully. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah so it's been we, around since we, 2005. Yeah, is that the game that advertised in the Super Bowl with? Um, no, uh, I don't think. No, no that was another. Oh, girl. I know oh, what yeah, you're talking about. That was a different game. That was not. That's like Clash of Clans or something. Yeah. Like that. Oh yeah. Okay. Mega of Mega of Vols, something like that. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, but anyway, we um, so we went back to the name. We thought about okay, what's what are the really distinctive features of this uh, of the game of the game that we want to capture in the name, um, and basically what came out of it is that. Uh, there's this kind of sort of like slightly dune-like um, quasi-spiritual element to the to not only to the sort of background, but to what you're doing and the way you interact with the world, and so hence sacred suns, uh, because the big religion of the empire is that they worship the sun, as in the sun of Earth. Oh. Um, they have this whole uh, theology about how they've been sort of cast out. And that the Zill are sort of sent to punish them and test them, um, and so the Zill, the Zill of the aliens, um, and they also play the role of basically Satan in the belief system of the people of the Empire, um, which means sort of when when they turn up, and like I don't want to put in any spoilers here, but you are able to communicate with them. And although they they definitely have an alien mentality, it's one that you're sort of we want to put you in a position where you understand it. Um, 
And it's like this is a philosophically different mentality that comes from a fundamentally different condition from the human condition. So it's not simply that they're, um, it's not simply that, oh, they're a bit weird, but that uh, some certain of the um, presuppositions on which sort of all our lives are based sort of don't apply to them. Um, and I, I don't really want to go into much more detail than that. Um, but so, yeah, that's where the Sacred Sons bit came from. And then Alliance came from basically what your job is, is to your, your appear as emperor in the midst of a sort of, it, sort of in the midst of a long decline. So, you know, it's uh, a large part of the inspiration is like the Byzantine Empire in its waning years. Um, where it used to be that the empire was basically ruled all of humanity and then it's just kind of fallen to bits and it's shrunk and shriveled and then you inherit, you know, a handful of stars. Um, and in order to save mankind, you're, whatever happens, you're going to have to rebuild and reforge that empire. And you can't do it all by conquest. Um, and the game's not principally about conquest. It's about manipulating the people and engineering these... Uh, these alliances and this backstabbing. So that's that's how we got to Alliance of the Sacred Sons. It's a great name. It reminds me of uh, Fading Sons in a lot of ways. You know, the uh, role-playing game slash, you know, the old strategy game, Emperor of the Fading Sons, which also this game reminds me of a little bit with its kind of neo-Gothic type setting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, did you ever play those games at all? Um, I didn't. I think Steve has played uh, Emperor of the Failing Suns. Certainly we have like a fair amount in common with that. Um, and that is not a bad I mean, thing. That is not a bad thing. <laughs> so, so I hope at least. <laughs> but so, so I got there. I mean, it looks, it looks really cool. It's, um, something I should probably get around to playing. Remind yeah, me, I can uh, send you a link to where you can get it. It's, it's really unique in terms of space strategy games. It's really, really quite unique. Now, now, one thing I really like about the game is that um, it, you're the emperor, but you kind of go down levels. So you have like a regional governor and then like a system governor and then like a, a, a planetary viceroy. And you have to deal with all these people differently, but they also have all their own relationships. So how can, yeah. how do you use that in the game to, to work to your advantage? Like, can you use people's relationships against them, for example? Is that part of the plan? Because this, folks, if you, if you haven't noticed on the, um, the stream, this is a very, this is pre-alpha stuff, so a lot of stuff ain't working, a lot of stuff is broken, a lot of UI stuff. Just to be clear, this is very, 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 very early. But I was, I was looking at the relationships, and I was like, one person's your friend, and one person hates you, and I'm like, like, I couldn't do anything with them. But in later versions, are you going to be able to do something with them? Of course, yeah. Um, like Yeah, I would, 90, I would 90% say... 90% of... Sorry, go Oh, in the UI, the one thing I would incorporate in there is maybe like a thermometer next to people so that you can tell how much they like you. Oh, there's, al a, there's already... Yeah. There's an icon. There's an icon. There's a really is little there, icon okay. next to each person that tells you... Exactly, uh, all right, I, I just has, didn't pick it out. And it has a tooltip, and it tells you exactly how they feel about you. Like, this one has a vendetta. This one is your lover. This one is neutral. And this one's your friend. And this one... You know, so there are icons uh -huh. that clearly... Okay, maybe not that clearly, but... <laughs> But they do indicate how a certain person feels about you, and it's interesting. Cause oh, okay. Is there is there any logging about why they feel that way? Like if every time I, no. I accumulate negativity with somebody, it would be nice if, if there was a log, you know, like a little journal, like I did this and it pissed them off, and I did this and it made them happy, and then I can look yeah. back in the history and see why they are that way. Especially yeah, so if it's a thing – especially if it's a thing where I did something – to somebody else, and then that person observed it and said, oh, you're an asshole for liking that person that I hate, or whatever. Yeah, that's, uh, we are going to have that, a log nice. of that kind in there, and that's in the design, but, so the relationship system isn't, is a little more involved than simply how much they like you or not. Um, Ooh, good. The design of it is really inspired by uh, me watching Boardwalk Empire when we were working out this system, actually. So the, the way it works is that it's all about 
it's all about public relationships. So someone is publicly your friend or publicly your enemy, and you know where you stand with them, like how people, the way people see it. Um, but the, the key to it all is that this is a this is a system in which everything is a show of power, and everything is showed that you are strong. And if you appear weak, then the sharks are going to start circling. So you've got you, your friends and enemies. You know you you know more or less where you stand with them. But the most important sort of relationship is what's called the challenge. And the way this works. It's sort of like if you've got a mob boss and a lesser, you know, an, an underling um, does it could, so does something that goes against the boss in some way, and that could be it could be as simple as you know you just insult them, or it could be that the boss has ordered something and the underling goes against that order and goes and does something else. Um, in, the, in terms of the game, that would be maybe uh, you said, okay, this planet is going, to, is going to produce food. You know, we need food to export. This planet is going to produce food. And the government thinks, actually, no. No, I could, I could make a killing exporting sort of rare minerals. So it produces rare minerals. And then that's a challenge to your authority. Oh. And so you, your relationship state changes from being, you know, whatever it was before. Um, it, could, it could have been allies. It could have been friends. It could have just been a straight up, you're my inferior, you do what I say. Um, and it enters this challenge state. And in this state, a certain amount of power is in play. And power is vital because the AI looks at your power score, and every character has a power score. But the character AIs look at your power score, and that's how they decide how to act against you. That's how they decide whether or not you're a threat. So when someone challenges you, there's a certain amount of power at stake, and you have to retaliate against them somehow or else that power will transfer from you to them. Um, and so you can retaliate against them, you can retaliate against their income, you know, the, you, can, you know, you can humiliate them, or you can reassign them, or you can attack their family or their house. Um, Ooh, I like the sound of all that. I was going to ask you, like, what are the tools? You're kind of like just laid some out, but what are the tools available to influence how someone feels about you or someone else's influence? Like you can hurt, it sounds like you can hurt their family, you can hurt their job, you can hurt their planet, but what else can you do? Yeah, I mean, obviously you ultimately you can go to war and you can assassinate people. Um, <laughs> you can sort of demote people, you can try and even if you sort of, it might be that you just have to drop a challenge for one reason or another. You don't have the resources to commit or you need this person, but you can then undermine them um, by sort of using them in different ways. You can um, you can sort of you can plot against them, but also whenever you whenever you do anything in your empire, whenever you sort of build up a planet or you know you want to set up an army, you want to send an army to war, any of these things, basically what you're doing is you're handing out power and they're giving you money and their sort of ADM, which is the currency of doing stuff basically, uh, it, which represents sort of administrative, uh, like just all the inertia and getting through the bullshit of this sort of sclerotic empire is, <laughs> is represented by this, uh, this currency ADM. Um, and so you have this, ex this basic exchange. And so you have to decide, okay, there's this character that I don't want to get any more powerful I'd better not use them for things, even though they're, maybe they're really good, maybe they're really useful. And you're, always, you're making this trade-off. Do I want to make this character more powerful, especially if they've done something against me? Or on the other hand, I've got this other character that they're super loyal and I know they're loyal and I want to build them up. And, you know, maybe they're a bit rubbish, but, uh, you know, I'll still keep on giving them these jobs and sort of building them up. Um... Well, it kind of reminds so, me of Littlefinger on Game of Thrones, right, where yeah. he's the guy that everybody thinks is in service to them, but he's actually been playing it behind the scenes the whole time. Yeah, exactly. This is where, um, this is where our sort of intrigue, uh, intrigue and plotting system comes in, because the relationships that you see, uh, these are just the public relationships. And some of these people who on the surface are your friends, 
um, they're going to be plotting against you to assassinate you or, you know, simply to maybe to undermine someone that you've been building up because they want what they have. Uh, and the way you find out about this is twofold. So on the one hand, you've got your, uh, you've got your sort of network of spies like you, and the, these give you secrets. And secrets are pieces of information. Basically, whenever a character is plotting something or whenever they have an attitude to someone um, that they're hiding, this creates these little chunks of data and which say, okay, this is, these are the people that they're plotting with. These are the, uh, this is the nature of the plot and this is, uh, this is the target. And the way we, the system, and this isn't implemented yet, this is going in build point six, I think. Um, this information gets sort of split up, so you'll have a bunch of little jigsaw pieces, more or less. And you'll get this information that, oh, like uh, Barry No Name is plotting to murder somebody, but you don't know who. And then um, someone or other is plotting to murder, you know, Jerry somebody. Um, and so you get. Can that be a name of a character in the game? I'm sorry. Can you just have a Jerry somebody in there? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, maybe. But I think it would be there. neat if there was just like a spy has uncovered like an embarrassment to this other person. So it's just like you can just hold that like an ace, like you just whip that out whenever you want to knock him down in power a little bit or something. Is that what you're talking about? Like this guy has an illegitimate son. Yeah, no and you could use about. that against him because you could you could either pull it out and disgrace them, or go to them and say, "Hey, I know this, and if you don't do what I want, then I'm going to let it out," which is sometimes more effective. Yeah. Now this that that is something that is that we are doing. Um, oh. Not so much to sort of just embarrassing secrets, but things where you find out that a character is plotting something against someone else, and do you, you you have the sort of thing where you. You can assemble these sort of different secret parts together in different ways and think, okay, which is most likely? What does this character probably want? Do I snap these bits together and fire off this accusation and send in the Inquisition, who will find out the truth? And if it turns out you're wrong, then they're going to have to let the they're going to have to let the character go, and they're still going to be out there, and they're going to be very angry indeed. Um, but if if you've got the accusation right, then that character is in jail or dead. Um, do I send them out now or do I wait and try to find more information? Either by spying on this character or by using your psychic powers. And that comes with a cost of its own. Um, so you have this sort of information game where you're trying to build up these sort of cases and work out who you can really trust. Um, at the same time as you're looking at, uh, you're, you're trying to play the public relations game. That sounds, that sounds awesome. So, a question about religion in this, because you have a bunch of separate human cultures that that are uh, pretty diverse at that point. So, is there a unified religion, or have, has mankind kind of gotten over it, or do some of them actually <laughs> worship the aliens as if they were gods or something? Or, you know, I would assume there would be some weird cults out there that are fringy. There are. Um, so the way the way we dealt with this basically. Um, connects with the reason so we have an in-game reason for why computers don't rule everything and like the singularity didn't happen and the reason is that in this in this sort of game world when computers reach a sort of singularity point they transcend and go to sort of they, they realize aha we're going to you know computer nirvana or whatever um, and we're never going to make it exactly clear to the player exactly where it is that that involves, but there are characters with whom you interact in this sort of the underside of the game, in the kind of the purely personal to you, the emperor, text, slightly text adventure side, um, who are in this kind of transcendence state. Um, and this is this is one of the things that. One of the other things that sort of about the Byzantine Empire that we wanted to capture was this whole sense that the the world kind of revolves around a center that isn't in the world. It's in it's this sort of it's all orbiting around this kind of spiritual core, which is sort of 
not, which, which is not, um, which is of not material. It's not there. It's you know, it's out there somewhere, and the whole of society is oriented towards something that isn't present. Um, and that's uh, and that's what we wanted to capture with the sort of the main in-game religion, which is Solarianism, which um, obviously it involves worship of the sun. And the sun is one of the characters who you interact with in the dream sequences, um, which are the sort of the um, one of the I guess one of the more distinctive things about the uh, the game is having that personal side, um, where it, this is an experience that only you go through. It's not like your empire doing things; it's you personally. Um, and we we deliberately have not made it clear whether or not in the game's fiction Solarianism is true or not. Um, we still have, in some of the game's cultures, like real-world religions, which is a tricky thing to write, because um, obviously, I mean, it's a bit easier when it's Crusader Kings and these things historically happened. When you're trying to project a future history for real-world religions, you have to be a bit sensitive. So we've been a little bit utopian about it. Um, one of the distinctive things about cultures is that you can get Different cultures give you, if you integrate them into your empire, you can get different technologies or the equivalents of technologies. The idea being not that they have sort of special technological innovation, but that um, they can inspire certain reforms within your empire um, based on, you know, the way they've developed. And the one that we have for the sort of culture that involves the bulk of the actual real world religions, um, one of them is sort of religious tolerance. Um, which, yeah, I, I, I it me as maybe playing it maybe a little bit safe, but um, we, you know. Well, that's fair. Not every, not everyone could be as brazen as Red Dwarf and said they found the new first page of the Bible, which says this is all a joke. <laughs> so, well, you know, one, one thing that's interesting about science fiction is it's it's an excellent tool for taking cultural things that have happened or are currently unfolding and and taking it out of context so you take the, all the baggage away and say let's examine this thing right like the the current yeah. european issue right so if if you had let, let's say like um there is a planet and there's a war on the planet and then refugees from that planet are are like fleeing you know, to the neighboring system where people really don't like them, but now you're forced to deal with them and yeah, we their weird alien culture. Yeah, we're modeling all of that, actually. Um, one of the things that's going to happen as the Zill invade is that you're going to get waves of refugees coming in and you're going to have to deal with the sort of the, the kind of strife. That you're going to have a refugee crisis in the game? Uh -huh. I love oh, it. Yeah, you might as I love it. it. Yeah, art geez. imitates life, right? That's great. Yeah, give well, us give us those hard questions. Give us those hard choices. Yeah, that's great. All right, Jim. Sir, no, I mean it's cool. I, I applaud that because it's it's not only a thought provoking thing, but it's kind of brave to. I was gonna say it's very brave. That, so yeah. Thanks. Yeah, um, I guess like the attitude we've taken towards um, sort of modeling the general depravity of, um, of, of things that tend to happen in history is uh, has been... We've, we've, we've tried to be very clear-eyed about it. Um, this isn't, by any stretch of the imagination, a utopian future. Like, nasty things happen. Um, and there's there's not necessarily any happy ending uh, to the game. There, there are endings that you can be pleased with, Um but there's always going to be an element, an element of you know that kind of that kind of doubt of have I really made the right choice? Um, you Ooh, know, nice. is there is there a horrible downside to this kind of great victory that we've achieved? <laughs> oh no, that's great! I love I love like the end of Free Space Two, for example, where like one of the endings is like you guys survived, but a whole solar system was lost. Spoilers, I know, but. <laughs> it's a 17-year-old game, you guys. If you haven't played it by now, that's your fault. <laughs> but yeah, yeah and you're like, sad. we have to make a choice whether we save us or the whole system. Oh, crap. You know, I like that. I like that kind of gray moral area, you know. And it looks, it yeah. sounds like there's a lot of gray in this game. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the um, one one of the things uh, that we really wanted to not that we wanted to capture, but one of the great inspirations was uh, Alpha Centauri, um, and specifically the Wonder movies from Alpha Centauri. We don't have the kind of resources we need to do all that, you know, full motion video or anything. Right. Um, but whenever you you have things like the self aware colony or the virtual world. Um, and you had things like uh, you have the virtual world, and like oh, it's the virtual world, that's cool. And then you have Chairman Yang uh, going, "What do I care for your suffering?" in the voiceover, and it's like, "Wait a minute, we've done something really bad." Um, and so that's that kind of um, that sense of like weird stuff is going on, and also the sense of just having a place and uh, having like a place where there are real issues. Uh, real issues. It sounds very responsible. But a, a, a place <laughs> in which um, in which there's some genuine dramatic tension, rather than just a sort of spreading blob of empire. Which uh, which is that you nice. Get from Alpha Centauri. Yeah, and it, it comes well, it comes through from in Alpha Centauri from the Wonder movies and from the little bits of interstitial text that you get. Um, and the way we're trying to do it is through having a bit more just incidental text. Um, and through the uh, through the dream scenes, which are they're more common than Alpha Centauri's kind of story scenes, which I think there are only about two or three. We've got a well, sort could... of a branching plot that tries to track what the player's doing, um, and so we're going to have about a hundred different, basically really short, effectively really short twine games um, that you just pop up from time to time, and you're not going to see them all in one playthrough. Uh, because the the idea is that it's a branching structure that allows that sort of tracks what you're doing and offers you goals that suit how well you're doing. So it's almost like you're you're weaving various pieces of interactive novel in through it, sort of yeah, a, well, like a multiple choice narrative. Yeah, um, and so I mean the, the the way we're doing it is that we're sort of we're, obviously we're tracking. How the player is doing, and a bunch of sort of crucial stats relating to that. Um, and there are, you know, we have a pile of triggers and stuff, um, and we serve them up. Uh, basically, it's, it's, it's a little sort of a little state machine where you have these you have these four characters you interact with through your dreams, um, each of whom has a couple of kind of triggers that you can hit that will change their attitude. Um, and those will be pertinent to one or more of the kind of story, um, one or more of the like objective paths that you go down. And then as we, um, as you sort of progress along those paths, you get served up dream scenes, and some of them will give you new abilities, like the ability to talk to the aliens. Some of them will set you new objectives. Um, but what they will do is develop the character arcs of these characters. <coughs> um, and yeah, so it's it, it's a branching plot, but it's not a sort of it's not a sort of click which option you want choose your own adventure thing. It's trying to uh, track what's happening in the game itself, and, and hopefully we can write it cleverly enough that it that the seams don't show. Well, we've been talking very much about the high level stuff. Let's go down to how the game actually plays. So when you start the game, you are in, if I recall, a newly cloned emperor. Am I remembering that correctly? Um. Not really. Uh, you're, I think I'm well, getting... Yeah. You're, you're, the, you're the new emperor. You're new, you just, I might be uh, getting confused with that other game. I'm sorry. But you're a new emperor. Well, we've, got, we've gone through a couple of iterations of exactly uh, how you come to be in the position you're in. Um, but you're the new emperor. You're the last of your line. Um, so you, you have no other sort of members of your house to deal with. Uh, at, at least in the maybe maybe we sort of further down the line we'll um, we'll put out new scenarios where actually you're in different different situations. Um, but right now you're the only only representative of your house, and so you have to balance these other houses. Um, but you come into the world. The the way we're probably going to run the sort of the like the tutorial and onboarding system is we're probably going to put you in charge of a planet. For a couple of years, while you wait for your uh, while you wait for your grandfather to die. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, that's great. Ro- ro- royalty's harsh. Great. It is. 
It is. Even better if you assassinate him. Yeah, um, I think I think for the sake of the tutorial, we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna not let you do that because uh, <laughs> you could be a clone of his, and then the clone actually assassinates the original and takes. But anyway, can we make it like multiplicity uh, where all the clones are different? That'd be amazing. Yeah, but they're all Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it's. Sick <laughs> I was so hoping for Michael Keaton. Yeah, we could save a, we could save a lot of the art budget by just making all the characters Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's true. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger with a wig, Arnold Schwarzenegger with blue lipstick. Yeah, that would be. Oh, that's great. But um, yeah. So uh, basically, we're gonna because a lot of the way the game works is quite different from other strategy games. So you you don't just build something on a planet. You choose what you're gonna build, more or less, um, and then you assign people to do that. Um, and that's sort of that's a new mechanic. The way the military system is going to work is um, we're currently simplifying the design at the moment because the way we started out was we came, we came to a certain point about the uh, about a year and a half ago where we were like okay um, we're at the stage now where we need to have a design document so we decided to go maximalist with the design document and have all our feature creep happen there and then shave things away as we went through the development process until we came to something reasonable. Um, so that's sort of what we're doing with the military design at the minute. Um, everything else that we want to put in is sort of is in the process of going in, which is great. Um, but yeah, we, we're going to sort of have a talk you through the various scenarios, uh, through the various systems. Um, but fundamentally, what you do each turn is that you have a you have a limited number of action points. You have maybe four action. And this will go up over the course of the game, but it won't go up by a lot. Um, as you sort of level, as you like level up your skills, you'll get more action points, but it's never going to go above maybe eight tops. Um, and with each action point, you can give orders to your, to one of your fleets, or you can set up a construction on a planet, um, or you can engage in a plot against the character. Um, but you can only do four of these a turn. And this is really crucial because it prevents micromanagement hell. So one of the things about the game is that we have quite a very deep simulation of population dynamics and uh, how, how people move from place to place and how trade works and all this. And if you had to, if it was like Master of Orion 3 turned out, where you had to manage it all, it would be appalling. It would be unplayable. Like so, Master of Orion 3 was, apparently. Yeah. And the reason the Master of Orion 3 was terrible was that they had basically an action point system and they took it out. And somehow they, they didn't realize or, you know, realized but didn't have the chance to fix the damage. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Because, yeah, uh, they would call it Imperial Focus Points. But it's really, it is so crucial to the, to the way any, an action point system is incredibly important to the way a game that uses it works. Um, for, you know, as Master of Iron 3 ably demonstrates. Oh, my God. Um, and the the other thing you notice in the in the game as you're playing it is that you have these uh, multiple levels of control. You have the planet level, and then you have the system level, and then you have the province level. And the reason for that is that as your empire grows, initially you're going to be working with planets a lot. And then as it grows, you're going to be moving up the levels. So you're, you're going to be delegating more because you have to. You can't micromanage. You've only got four or five or six things you can do a turn. Because you're an emperor. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so the idea is that as your empire scales up, your, level, your sort of arena of control also scales up um, until you're dealing with mostly with province governors. And they have all their people underneath them, and they're doing their own thing, but you don't really control that. So initially, it's going to be, you know, you'll be doing planets, you'll be doing sort of the bickering of planetary governors. Um, you'll be sort of starting to send out some scout ships. You mostly won't be doing that much colonization because the central area of the map is going to be quite heavily populated already. It's going to be maybe 60% of the habitable worlds are going to have people on already. So you're going to be um, like colonizing one or two planets. You're going to be liaising with people. You're going to be planning. Okay, I've got to expand in some direction or other. Am I going to do it through alliances? Am I going to maybe invade this sort of breakaway faction over here? 
Um, and then, you know, as you get the hang of it and it scales up, then maybe the challenges get a bit more complex. Um, and we start introducing the psychic powers and stuff. Um, which is, you start out with, you know, not many, and then we introduce more and more powerful ones over time. But the price for using your psychic abilities is that you take penalties. Um, and these, you're, you have this insanity track where you advance along as you use your psychic powers and you take sort of increasingly harsh penalties whenever you, like every five, it's not quite every five uses because if you use multiple psychic powers within the same couple of turns, you'll go, you'll like multiply the distance that you go along this track. Um, and obviously when you come to the end of it, you lose the game. Um, so you're always balancing out, okay, well, am I going to make this devil's bargain? Am I going to sort of, am I going to try and go for early advantage or am I going to save it up? So the, the um, it starts, I guess it, it's, it is going to be starting a little bit kind of in media res, sort of like a Crusader Kings or a European Universalis. Um, and so we're going to, you know, a little in a sort of maybe early to mid next year, when we're when the sort of the game the game game is complete and we're looking to polish it all up and send it to the uh, to the full release version, we're going to be spending a lot of time working on the tutorial because it is a lot harder to to bring someone into the middle of that situation as opposed to a game like Civilization or your um, Galactic Civilizations or other games with Civilization in the name. <laughs> you can. Um, you start out with one city and one guy, and it's very. It introduces mechanics one at a time, and it's very nice and simple. Right, you're kind of jumping into already kind of the middle of a story, mm-hmm. which yeah. which is nice. I actually kind of like how different that is. Now, uh, you mentioned the psychic stuff. We haven't really dived, di- di- dived, di- diving. Oh, fuck. Sorry. Dove. Dove. Dived. We haven't really Dove. talked. <laughs> We haven't really done a deep dive. Oh God, I'm going to use business speak. We haven't really done a deep dive into the, into the psychic stuff. Could you explain how the psychic stuff works? Because that that seems kind of neat. Okay, so basically, um, so the psychic stuff is a variety of um, you, you use it almost always to interact with characters. So that your like your principal tools of interaction in the game are you have projects that you do on planets. You have actions that you perform on characters, um, and then you have plots, which are from the characters, but work sort of like projects. Um, and psychic abilities is a variety of action. You, when you interact with the character, you go on the, you know, you go to the character screen. You have these, uh, you have these three options. You have actions that can um, build up your relationship with the character, and that can be through friendly means or through very unfriendly means, like blackmail. Um, you can use your relationship with the character, which is basically you're sort of building up your building up your uh, cachet with them, and then you're cashing it out. Um, and finally, you've got hostile actions, and psychic actions are a bit separate. Psychic actions, you can do things. Initially, you can simply make people a bit more likely to agree with you, um, or you can maybe learn a little something that they know. You can you can find out a little bit about their real uh, intentions. And then as you get more powerful, you can do more extreme things. You can permanently change their attitude towards someone. Um, you can uh, you can even at sort of when you built up your psychic powers to quite a high level, you can possess them and act, um, what? act sort of on their behalf. Really? Yeah. Oh. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna be gating this stuff a bit, so you can't just go and say ah. So you're my enemy emperor. I'm gonna like absorb your mind and you know make you surrender because that would be broken. Um, but it's gonna be you're gonna be able to sort of um, with with a little effort you're gonna be able to use these very powerful abilities. Um, but obviously the the way the way we balance this is that as you use them more and more, the costs that it imposes get harsher and harsher. Oh. Um, like, and do so, you physically, or there's a point system, yeah. or... So the way, it, the way it works is you basically have... We well, basically have a random table uh, of bad things that can happen. 
or more like four or five random tables actually. Um, and the initial ones, like maybe you lose a couple of action points a few turns or something like that, um, or you know you have these kind of fairly minor effects. And then as they get, as you use them more, we start to bring in the harsher tables. And this is going to be things like maybe you use the psych power, and then you lash out at a really important ally, and you do something, or you do something beyond the pale, and you know you 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 gain, you know that something. You know that if you use a psychic power now, that something bad's going to happen, but you don't know what it is. And then, so you use this power and you get what you wanted, but then, you know, geopolitically, something really freaky is going to happen. Um, and, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to throw a spanner in the works, and you just got to hope that the spanner it throws is one that you can deal with. Um, and so there's this sort of a, a, it's a bit of a Faustian pact using your psychic abilities to their full effect. Oh, I dig it. I dig it, because that has real consequences. Mm-hmm. That's um, awesome. Thanks. And we, So one of the endings you can get, in fact, is a psychic ending, um, in which you sort of, you get the ultimate psychic ability in which you blow up yourself <laughs> and all the aliens. <laughs> it's like it's a sort of, you know, psych- psychic doomsday weapon <laughs> uh, and the, the way it's going to play as you get to this level is uh, to get to get that far without just conking out through uh, through maxing out your insanity meter you have to go you're going to have to go on these quests you're going to have to go to these different planets and pick up these relics and you'll get a little uh, a little vision but it'll sort of push your insanity back a bit and boost up your power a bit um, but of course, as you do this, you're going to be relying more and more on your, on your psychic power because the side effects of your psychic power are going to be wrecking your abilities to do other things um, in many ways. You know, you're going to see your, your empire is going to start falling apart. The Zilla are going to be busy invading. Um, so that's going to be happening at the same time. So you're going to be in this chaotic situation just trying to get to the next, um, trying to get to the next sort of uh, relic um, and trying to build up your power without getting killed or having the, everything be destroyed, like, in time. Um, and so it's going to be a very, like, pursuing the real psychic heavy route is going to be a very different play style to, um, to pursuing a military route or, um, or focusing on, uh, on trying to ally with the... Uh, or the, trying, to, trying to make peace. Now, are there other characters that are psychic as well, like some of the spies kind of thing, or... Like it, you know, another leader, they could get dirt on you just psychically or something no, like that. Um, not in not in the present design. Um, it's something that we could introduce uh, again, maybe after release. Um, we could do some interesting stuff with that. But right now, it's uh, it's very much a sort of you are Paul Atreides kind of thing. Um, like you're the guy or the girl or the gender neutral character. Um, because, like we have, one of the decisions we made was um, that we would have sort of like a third neuter gender in the game, just because, um, like, it would be a bit weird to have, you know, to go into the 30th, 31st century and have like normal gender roles. Um, but at the same time, we had to uh, have like fixed genders in order to make name lists and stuff work for very prosaic technical reasons. Well, um, and in the so, future, you would actually maybe be able to just change genders, you know, seamlessly yeah. anyway. So, um, well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, the thing, the, too, is in the future, um, because, like, with rulers, right, you know, they, they need an heir to continue the bloodline, whatever. Um, if you can alternate, if you can alter genetics, it's, it's like, oh, well, all of my children will be boys or, or whatever, you know, it's, it's, you could, uh, actually screw around with the bloodline a lot that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way we have it is that um, basically it's a sort of artifact of the, uh, of the process of how the empire was set up. So what hap- the, the, the back story is that the Zill attacked the Earth and the inhabitants of the Earth had to flee. And it was only about 5,000 people got out on this spaceship. Um, 5,000 people and millions and millions of projects. And so the way that people tend to have kids, usually at least like high-class people, 
in the 31st century is generally they'll grow them in a in a bottle um and so this sort of kind of obviates obviates the need for social gender differences well i know um, a lot of people actually that have kids due to bottles <laughs> yeah this, um that, that, that's something in that the bottle took a minute. That still exists in the 31st century too, but um, yeah. So that's kind of that's that's the sort of in in world reason behind it. Um, what were we talking about before we got onto this? I've completely lost track of time. Oh, so um, I was going to say that uh, I I sexually identify as a starfighter. So if I if I wanted, to, uh, I, I, th- I think we all do. We do. Yeah, um, we, do. we do have one question sure. from the peanut gallery. Is there going to be like? Internal court drama, like can you marry your sister? Can you marry? Uh, can can there be a marriage between two like kingdoms and bring them together? That kind of like court drama thing is that going to be in there? Uh, well, you don't have a sister, but other than that, absolutely. Uh, that's basically what the game is about. Um, there's there's going to be a hell of a lot of that. One of the, one of the ways we want to do it um, actually is. The, the way our AI system works is actually weirdly inspired by Kurt Vonnegut's advice on writing, which was that every character ought to have a motivation, even if it's only to get a glass of water. So with this in mind, um, I designed what's basically a very large state machine. It's got the final version is going to have about 500 nodes um, in a sort of tree arrangement, each of which is sort of a handwritten thing. And the way it works is that you have an ultimate goal is at the root. And then it's like, okay, this I want to, this character wants to get rich or this character wants to have a family or whatever. Um, and then you go down the tree, okay, how, how are they going to do that? You know, uh, maybe they're going to develop their planet. All right, how are they going to do that? Are they going to build up this industry and so on? Um, and so at any given time, characters are going to be, at least some characters, uh, like the ones you're not looking at, maybe we'll sort of cheat with them behind the scenes, but you know, you're the player, you don't have to know about that. All the characters are going to have this motivation. Uh, any character you ask, um, they're going to be pursuing their goals, they're going to be responding, they're going to be sort of hopping from goal to goal. If you know they come under threat, suddenly they're going to be, actually, now I'm going to hop off, I'm not going to follow wealth anymore, I'm going to go for survival, um, and I'm going to go along and I'm going to sort of try and survive by building an army or whatever. And then once that's done, I'll go back to wealth and take up where I left off. And uh, more more than that, they're going to be able to tell you what they're doing and why. And sometimes they'll lie to you. So you can go to a character and say, oh, what are you up to at the minute? And they'll say, well, I'm doing this. You know, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get rich, so I'm developing my planet, so I'm, you know, building up, you know, the farming industry. Um and that, like having having being able to do that and have that be uh, like true, is something that I don't think um, I I can't think of any games that have done that before. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it's something that'll really kind of bring the universe to life in a, in a, in a way. Um, but of course, some of the things that they can do is plotting against one another and backstabbing. And obviously, they won't tell you if they're plotting against you. Well, this sounds pretty great. Now, you it's it's. 18 million hours ahead, so we're going to start wrapping up. Uh, when can people start, uh, when can people play this? Like even in a, like a beta version or anything. Like when, when do you feel this might be ready for people to actually play? Cause right now it's in pre-alpha folks and they said like next year they're thinking of releasing it. Well, yeah, but people want to get their mitts on this. So how, when do you think they're going to be able to do that? Well, um, our current development schedule says um, that we're going to be putting out a very early access version um, just through our own website, not through Steam or anything, um, probably late this year, so okay. October to December time. Um, we're a little behind our planned schedule because we spent a lot of time revising the UI, um, and that's certainly not finished. I mean, the user interface is something that we want to be, like, we want to be bang on with because thank you in a game like this it's going to absolutely make or break it thank you um, i'm a ui nut so i appreciate that mm-hmm. um i mean watching watching let's play one of the things you can 
see is that um, we're trying to make sure everything's going to be organized in such a way that you have these five these five modes. You have like view modes and whatever you're looking at, it's like, okay, I want to know about the economics, right? I want to know about where the, where's the money coming from. And then you can go on economic mode and you go through planets, systems, whatever, and it's going to be showing you economic information. Um, and you could, it starts out, you've just got sort of basic information in the middle and tell you how much money you're making, who it's going to. And then you can open up these tabs that will tell you more detailed information um, if you want it. And so by doing this, we'll, we're letting the um, we're letting the player like customize the customize the interface and sort of make nice. it more complicated as they get more as you get more sort of into the game and as you understand it more, you can have more information sort of right at your fingertips rather than sort of going to the new player and saying, "Here's fifty spreadsheets, have fun." Um, <laughs> so that's um, so that's sort of what's been taking our time. Um, but yeah, sorry, to get back to your question, uh, we're probably going to have a very early access build almost by the end of the year. Um, the When I say very early access, I mean really early access. We would, we're not even probably going to have the military system in by that point. Um, there'll be a playable game, but it won't be it won't be full-fat Alliance of the Sacred Sons. It's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a taster. Um, then sort of when we get to either Steam Early Access or just going to full release, that's probably going to be summer next year. Okay, that sounds great. Now, where can folks find more information about uh, your game? Where can they follow you on Twitter? All that stuff. Aha, uh-huh, yeah. Um, so we're still, we're still in the middle of our name changeover. Um, but our, uh, our Twitter account is... Um, we are at Cathawk Games. Um, you can find our blog at uh, our forum is uh, imperia5x.com, and our blog is at I can't remember what the. Uh, it's like imperiagame.wordpress. Imperiagame.wordpress.com. We're going to be switching the whole thing over to uh, www.allianceofthesacredsons.com. Nice. Um, so that's that. That's still in progress. Um, obviously, we are just a three-man team, so uh, these these things can take a little while. Well, I think to, uh, I think last run. time we talked to to uh, Steve, which who sadly doesn't seem to be able to join us this evening. I guess he's got baby issues. Um, <laughs> I think when we last talked to Steve two years ago, it was just a one-man operation. So uh, thank you for coming. Yeah, we've been up. going up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's actually it's been like it's been quite a quite a lengthy development process, really. I mean, obviously the game started out as a hobby project three, four years ago, um, and then just sort of gradually, you know, Pavlos came on and I came on, and then Pavlos, who was our previous artist, left, and we got Oggy in, who's done all this great UI stuff, um, which you can see. Um, like it's it's been it's been quite a journey, and um, hopefully, you know, we're we're not we're not sure where where we're going to go with it after release. We want to we're definitely going to keep supporting it after release, um, but whether we're going to go for expansions or whether we're going to be in a position where um, we can sort of maybe take some of the ideas, put them into something uh, bigger and flashier. Uh, I mean, it remains to be seen. We're in a very, like us, sort of business-wise, we're in a very good position because, you know, Steve has a day job, a day job. Um, so, you know, we're in, we're in a position that once the game's released, we'll be in, um, we won't have to pay off. Really good position. God damn it, Skype. Yeah, we're, you're breaking up a little bit. Um, it's it's. No, I heard, we heard most of it, but it's it's Skype. It does this every now and again. We hate Skype so it's much. It's Skype letting us know it's time. Yeah, Skype is giving <laughs> us the hint. Uh, so, um, Oliver, I want to thank you for taking the time in the middle of the goddamn night to uh, 
to talk to us. I really appreciate it. Well, no, thank you for having me on. It's been uh, it's been really great to be able to talk about it. Yeah, it's it's also been great to hear how far along the game has come since we talked about it last. Sounds like it's a re- got a really great focus design, which is nice. You know, so because sometimes we've talked to some devs that don't sound like they know what they're doing. So uh, it's, it's nice to talk to someone who sounds like they do. So, uh, folks, just a quick programming note before we quit. Uh, Thursday at 530 Pacific, we're going to be playing. We're going to be returning to Red Solstice uh, because uh, that game was recently on sale and I told people to buy it so we could all play it. So we're going to be playing some of that. And then next Tuesday on the podcast, it's a 6 a.m., Pacific Time Podcast, because our guests are in the Czech Republic. We're going to be talking Planet Nomads. Check that out. Check that out. Check that Republic out. So uh, thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Again, the game is called, uh, I almost said Alliance of the Fading Suns. Jesus, Ruben. Alliance of the Sacred Suns, uh, formerly called Imperia. It is looking awesome. Oliver, thank you so much for joining us. And everyone, thank you for listening and watching. We'll see you next week. Let's have some music in here, Boiler. Sure thing. Yeah.